0: Thank you, girls. Great job. Take your Bibles and turn to Romans 12 tonight. By the way, I failed to mention it a moment ago, but uh, I think most of you know already. But for those of you that do not, we have – how many of you know we have food here tonight? If you didn't, you do now. So uh, if you raise your hand, that means you have to stay, right? And uh, I'll plan on staying tonight after a fellowship. we got lots of food back there. Uh, I know what I'm having. Uh David told me he made bread. He makes some amazing bread. I'm just going to live on bread. So the Bible says you can't live by bread alone, but maybe you can. And uh, no, we got a lot of food back there. Plan on staying and fellowshipping tonight. But our, our theme for the year, our focus as a church, has been striving together. And now striving, that doesn't mean fighting. <laughs> uh, there can be strife. Uh, we're not speaking of strife. We're talking about working together, uh, ministering together. Uh, and talking tonight about striving together for the cause of Christ and, and kind of the theme of what teamwork looks like in the local church. And going to look at a new subject tonight. Look at Romans chapter 12. And we're going to read verses 9 through 21. I'm going to talk tonight about striving together in relationships. In relationships. Romans chapter 12, in verse 9, the Bible says, Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good, be kindly affection one to another of brotherly love. In honor preferring one another. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope. <clears throat> patient in tribulation. continuing instant in prayer. Distributing the necessity of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one towards another, mind not high things. But condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible... As much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, Notice the last phrase here, but overcome evil with good. Let's pray and ask the Lord to help us. Lord, as we talk about relationships tonight, Lord, we're discussing a subject that is integral to the life of every person here tonight. From the youngest teenager in this room to the oldest adult. Lord, the married couple, the single man, the single lady. Lord, all of us have relationships. Lord, we have a relationship with you as believers. Lord, as well, we have relationships, many different types of relationships. Lord, I pray that we would have a biblical model. Lord, as we look at this passage here in the book of Romans, Lord, I pray that we would follow your pattern. Lord, help us tonight as we look at some information, some truth in Scripture, Lord, to help us. Uh, Lord, bless us now. Help me, Lord, to teach and preach and write your word. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Question for you. I don't want you to answer out loud tonight, but how are your relationships? All of them. If you're married tonight, that includes your relationship with your spouse. If you have children tonight or you have parents tonight, How's your relationship with your children or with your parents? How's your relationship with your brothers, your sisters? How's your relationship with your coworkers, with your boss? How's your relationship, your community, about your extended family? How about your relationship with your brothers and sisters in the local church? Our life, is made up of the building blocks of relationships. There is no part of your life that you can dissect away from relationship. Every aspect is built on some sort of relationship. Your your salvation, uh, your walk with the Lord is based on your relationship with Him. By the way, I praise God my relationship with Christ is an eternal relationship. When I called on him, uh, when I believe on him, I become a child of God. By the way, it says he gives it power to become the sons of God. Uh, and he doesn't say, okay, you're not my kid anymore. We talked about that this morning in the lessons from the Potter's House. But as we see tonight, relationships are the building blocks of so much of our life. And when your relationships are in turmoil, it you puts your whole life in turmoil. How many of you have ever caught yourself on fire? Isn't that a good feeling? <laughs> That's not a good plan. I didn't think about this until just now. Just looking at Brandon, I remembered when we were out mule deer hunting. By the way, Brandon is the one that saved me from dying, uh, mule deer hunting. But while we were out together, we were up on top of this, uh, what do you call that thing? Cooley, Red, Red Rock coulee up on top of God forsaken nothing up there. <laughs> And it was like 150 mile an hour wind up there. It was cold. It was miserable. And I got the bright idea. Sometimes I have genius ideas, Brother Mike. I got the genius idea that I was going to cook my lunch inside of my vehicle. Brandon may have told me it was a bad idea. But I I got my little little stove, my jet boil stove. (sighs) I lit it. I've got it there on my armrest. I'm cooking inside the vehicle. Fire. That's a stupid thing to do. And I'll I'll make the story, the story short. I caught myself on fire. Brand is my witness. He's here tonight. I literally caught myself on fire. That's just another day in the life for Pastor Rice. But that's a bad feeling when you catch yourself on fire. Uh Nothing else really matters except you got to get the fire out. you got to, oh, man, I'm I'm on fire. You know, when your relationships are in turmoil, it kind of makes everything else doesn't seem to matter. Tonight I want us to look at some biblical principles about relationships. You know, too many times we think that our problems in relationships are only because the other person in the relationship has a problem. Most times, though, a lot of our relationships, we're not striving together, pulling together for the relationship God wants us to have, for the success of the relationship. That doesn't mean that you can do everything you can in a relationship and not have a failed relationship, because relationships involve two people. And you can't control. By the way, if you do try to control someone else, you will not have a good relationship. But you can't control the other person in a relationship, but we can control what we do, and we can control how we respond. These 13 verses we just looked at in uh, uh, Romans chapter 12, God provides about 31 instructions on how to relate with others. Uh, That's a lot of instructions in a short passage of Scripture. There are 23 things that God says... Do these things. And then there are eight. Don't do these things. Let me give you one don't. Don't try to cook your food inside your vehicle. But no, there's some things you shouldn't do. First, several of these instructions we just read in the book of Romans relate to our personal character. And by the way, your relationships are built on who you are. Uh, who, not, not who you pretend to be. Not the face you put on, but your character, who you are in the dark. Who you are when no one's around. As with many areas of the Christian life, this is where the quality of our relationships begin. Second, several of these instructions, and we're going to look at them tonight, relate to our outward behavior. So first, who we are. Second, how we act. What we do how we interact with others. Uh, You know, there's a healthy set of behavior. By the way, we ought to behave ourselves. The Bible tells us Paul, God gave to Paul to pen to a young preacher the words inspired by the Holy Spirit of God that you might learn how to behave yourself in the the church of God, the house of God. We ought to behave ourselves correctly. We ought to control ourselves according to God's will. Now, finally, the Lord here in Romans chapter 12 gives several instructions on how we should respond when things take a wrong turn. About four or five weeks ago, Josh and Rebecca were leaving their house in Leduc and getting on the highway, and sadly, Rebecca was driving. And I say sadly, you'll know why in a moment. They're driving, Rebecca's going up the ramp to get on Highway 2 north. And all of a sudden, she hit ice. And Josh, will, Josh told me this is what she did. Rebecca admitted it. You know what Rebecca did? You know, when you, you're not supposed to turn out of it out of when you slide on ice. But instead of that, uh, Ahmad Rebecca just went. I think she started singing, Jesus, take the wheel. I don't know, but she put her hands in the air. She just let go of the steering wheel. How many times did you turn? four times, and by a miracle of God, they hit nobody, Uh, they didn't kill anybody, and uh, Josh quickly jumped out, threw Rebecca out of the truck, got in the driver's seat, and left her on the side of the highway, but she didn't really respond well, and I can pick on her tonight, because she's heading south, she's not here, but she didn't respond well to that situation, by the way, a lot of times, we don't respond well. You know why because we're not prepared how to respond. We never learned how to respond. How many of you when you came here from the Philippines, a lot of you from the Philippines or Brother Kartik from India, there's no snow in India, is there? You never had to drive in su- I mean, imagine this, southern India, there's no snow. Brother Kartik never had to drive on ice before. First time he drove on ice, he was like, what do I do? How do I respond to this? God gives us some ways to respond in the difficulties of life and the difficulties of relationships here in this text. And by the way, one of the biggest problems in relationships, somebody does you wrong. How do you deal with that? What do you do about it? Look in verse 9. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. We're, we're going to start with verse 9 and kind of move our way, and I'm going to try to hurry. I've got a lot of material I want to give you uh, tonight. Uh, how we might strive together with those around us in the relationships that God wants us to have. Relationship with your husband, your wife. Relationship with your children, with your parents, with your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ in the local church. How, how do we do that? We have God's counsel and relationship basically in three categories here in Scripture. Number one this is where we're going to start, possessing the right character. We see that in verses 9 through 12. So if I'm going to have the right relationship, if Milton and I, if we're going to have a relationship as brothers in Christ, here's what I want to do. Get yourself right, you reprobate. It's all your problem. It's all your problem. That's the way we want to act. We're going to say the problem in our relationship is right there. When in reality, we need to look in a mirror and realize the very first thing we need to do in a relationship is make sure that we're right. We need to make sure that our character is right. The first passage we see there, we, we see that before we engage with others, before we try to deal and help with others, how's your character? I mean, look in the mirror. The Bible speaks about that one that wants to pluck that little speck out of somebody's eye, and the whole time they've got a tree growing out of their head. The Bible tells us here in verses nine and 10 about love. Let love be without dissimulation, abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good, verse 10. Be kindly affection one to another, with brotherly love and honor preferring one another. We should number one possess sincerity we should possess sincerity. That, that's what right character looks like. You know, sincerity is a hard thing to find. I, I had the privilege yesterday of drafting a letter recommending Brother Dan and Ms. Sherry Crumball, uh, Church, First Baptist Church of Hammond, is considering supporting them. And I had the privilege of writing a letter and recommending Brother Dan. And in that letter, I thought as I was writing it how how privileged I was to be able to recommend someone that was sincere. Legitimate. Someone that was real. Are we real? Are we sincere? Are we playing a game? We see this matter of sincerity. In verse 9, it relates to the issue of love. God's love is to be reproduced in us. In you. Now here's what we say Well, I, I can't love like God loved. No, but God wants to produce love through you. Love that doesn't make sense to us. God wants us to be genuine, sincere. Verse ten here suggests be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love. In honor preferring another. Our love is to be sincere. It's to be kindly affectioned. Let me give you a quote from Warren Wiersbe. Love is a circulatory system of the spiritual body which enables all the members to function in a healthy and harmonious way. If you have heart problems, it affects your whole body. It affects everything. And if we have a spiritual heart problem, it affects all our relationships. We need to possess that sincerity. We see that there in verses 9 and 10. Uh, we see the word dissimulation. That, that word is not a word whole. I didn't use that this week. It's not a normal word for you and I, but it refers to hypocrisy. It refers to saying one thing and doing another. It refers to uh, pretending uh, one thing but actually doing something else. It's kind of like when my dog comes and has the ball. and He's dumb as a box of rocks and he... He doesn't drop the ball for you because he hasn't figured out if he just drops it, you could throw it. He's like, he comes close to you. And if you reach to get it, he, he pulls away. I'm like, I'm just, give me this stupid ball. So sometimes you have to trick him. Brother Mudge, you, you have to pretend you're going to get it with this hand and then you reach it with this hand. It's that distraction. It doesn't always work because I'm not fast enough, but you try to distract. So often we try to distract with this is who I am and this is who I really am. It's that hypocrisy. And by the way, you can't build a relationship with that. We have to have sincerity in our love for our brothers and sisters in Christ. First Peter chapter 1, verse 22 says, Seen as ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth of the Spirit and the unfeigned, unfeigned, in other words, not fake, not pretend, not put on, the unfeigned love of the brethren See that you love one another with a pure heart, fervently. And Christian, I don't want you to raise your hand, but I want you to think tonight. Do you have real love? I mean, I mean not put on love. Real love for your brothers sister, and sisters in Christ? Do you have real love for your spouse? Sadly, we have to ask in our world today, do we have real love for our children? We live in a world today where People that create children want to get rid of them. Why? Because we live in a perverse culture where we've turned away from real love, pure love. Praise God for godly love. Praise God for sincere uh, love. We we need that. We desperately need that. 1 John 3, 18, My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue but in deed. In other words, God says if you love for real, show me. Show it. If you love somebody, don't just tell them and say the words. Show them that love. Jesus did that for you. Jesus looked back at Herman and said, "Herman, here's how much I love you. I'll die for you." That's what he did. He looked at Dexter and said, "Dexter, let me show you my love by me sacrificing for you." He showed me his love. Let her be quickly. We should possess not only sincerity but purity. Purity, look at verse 9 again, the second part of verse 9. Abhor that which is evil and cleave to that which is good. We see purity. Purity we see in two ways. Number one, hating, abhorring that which is evil. How many of you have a food that you hate? What do you hate? Carrots. You hate carrots. Who else has a food they hate? Nobody else. What do you hate, man? mushrooms. Man, you guys really don't want my soup tonight. There's carrots and mushrooms in it. But if if there's carrots in something or mushrooms in something, you're going, yuck. I don't want to eat that. Get that away from me. I hate that. Hate's a strong word. Abhor, hate. God says we ought to abhor, hate, despise that which is evil. And then it says to stick to. Or cleave to that which is good. Purity is twofold. It's not just getting away from evil. You know what the problem is if all I do is get away from evil? (laughs) I end up back at evil again. But rather I need to abhor evil and at the same time grab a hold of that which is holy, that which is pure. I need to hang on to that. I remember Brother Pete and I remember that stupid thing in the playground that you spin around and around over the old. How many of you remember the, the playground at the old building? When they first redid it, Brother Pete and I got on that thing that spins around. I don't know what you call that thing. It's called the tool of the devil. And we got on that thing and you, you I don't know how it works, and, and I don't know. It's, it's, it's evil. it's of the devil. And as you pull in, as that was when you pull in, it goes faster. We got on that thing and got it going fast, and we pulled in. I thought I was going to die. Now, Pete was laughing. I was crying. And I remember hanging on like, please, dear Lord, don't let me let go because I will die. And this is all while I'm doing Mach 3, around and around and around. I did not want to let go of that post. Because I knew if I did, I was going to go flying. We need to hang on to that which is pure. Hang on to it. Latch a hold of it. Christian, if if you're going to have a a right relationship, it's going to involve purity. We live in a world today that relationships are breaking because there's not purity. There's no purity in your relationships and they're broken. We've got to have purity. We've got to have it. By the way, there are some poisons in this world that don't look like poison. They look like good water. Brother Darren was telling me about, a. his exact wording was that he was a genius. But he was telling me about how he figured out this water filter system to put inside of his Yeti and so he could just dip water out of the swamp and drink swamp water when he's out fishing. That doesn't sound like a good plan to me, Brother Ahmad, but... He's a genius. And, you know, you could have some water that looks like pure water and drink it and be dead. Because not not Brother Darren. He won't die because he's too mean to die. But if you drink poison that looks good, just because it looks like pure water doesn't mean it's pure water. You don't don't grab a hold of some, some chemical. Oh, it looks like water. Not a good idea. I mean, I don't know, Brother Ma, but hydrochloric acid probably looks a little bit like water. I'm I'm guessing if you drink it, it's probably bad for you. It's probably like eating Mitra's hot sauce. Uh, It's bad. But we have to have purity. You know, there are so many things in life that are impure. In our culture, so many things that pull us away from holiness. But we have to possess purity. And I've got got to hurry so many unholy influences. Number three, the letter C. To possess the right character, we should possess dependability. Dependability. Look at verse 11. Not slothful in business. Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rather than being lazy, God calls us to be dependable. God calls us to be diligent. and God calls us not to be slothful, but fervent in spirit, with enthusiasm. Happy marriages, happy relationships. Don't happen by accident. They work. They're hard work. They take diligence. They require disciplined living. Relationships are built on trust, but it's difficult to place your trust in someone who is undependable. It breaks that relationship. Proverbs 13 verse 4 says, The soul of the slugger desireth and hath nothing but the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. You know, everybody wants a satisfying relationship, but they're reserved for dependable Christians. We need to be dependable. Number next, letter D, we should possess resiliency. Look, if you will, at verse 12. Verse 12 tells us rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, Continuing instant in prayer. Verse 12 challenges you and I tonight in our relationships and in, in our character to build the right relationships, to have the kind of character that that is willing and able to face three different oppositions or difficulties. Number one, rejoice in hope. Develop resilience when it, we rejoice in hope. You're in a difficult spot. You can still have hope. How many have ever heard the term uh, hypochondriac? A hypochondriac is someone who thinks they're sick. You know, hypochondriac. You know, if Brother Armas a hypochondriac, and he heard me and me and Milton talking about some disease. He'd go home and go, I think I have that. <laughs> Call his doctor up. Hey, uh, I need to get in. I think I heard about this disease. I'm pretty sure I have it. Now, I, I'm not. I'm not making light of mental illness and some of that is tied with that I, I hope you understand I'm not mocking those with those kind of issues but I have the exact opposite of that I'm a hypochondriac. what that means is someday I'm going to be dying and I'm going to look at the person beside of me the doctor or nurse who says Mr. Rice you're dying and I'm going to go there's nothing wrong with me and I'm going to say that right before I die uh, I just I know I'm good I think I'm fine. Now, I'm not saying that I'm, that's the right way to be. I'm just saying that's the way my brain's wired. But when it comes to trusting the Lord, we ought to be wired that way. Even when we're facing a difficult situation, God can take care of it. And he can. By the way, does that mean everything's going to go the way I want it to? No. But it means that whatever God does is good, even if I don't like it even if it doesn't go the way that I feel it should go, God's still good. I can have that rejoicing and hope. I can be patient in tribulation. How many of you men do not like shopping? Brother Drees, you don't enjoy shopping. But every once in a while, you take your wife shopping. You know what he does? He's patient in tribulation. Here's how men shop. You know where you want to go. You walk in the store. You go directly to what you want. You take about 35 seconds to decide, yep, that's what I want. That's good Amen. stuff, isn't it? Stuff. You get it, you leave. Amen. Amen. You go home, yes. you prop your feet up, you have a cup of coffee. Well, that's good Amen. preaching right there. Amen. Amen. The Lord. Amen. Here's how women shop. They go look at what they want, Brother Ahmad. They think about it for five hours. (laughs) Then they go to every other store that was ever existent. They look at everything else. They spend six, seven, eight hours. Then they go back, Brother Ahmad, to the same place they went first. Oh, yeah, I'll buy that. Or, nah, I don't want that. That's tribulation, Brother (laughs) Jarese. But Brother Jarese loves his wife. So he endures tribulation. <laughs> He's patient. Can I tell you that we need to, I, I jest and mock about shopping, but understand this life, we're going to have some lengthy journeys, and some of those journeys are going to be filled with tribulation. And We need to be patient. One of my struggles is patience. Also, we need to continue in prayer. We develop resilience when we continue to pray. Whenever your, as your custom is, as Jesus' custom was, his custom was to pray. When your custom is to pray, Lord, this is on you. Lord, you have this. I'm trusting you. 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your care on him, for he careth for you when your relationships face the waves of problems and doubts and difficulty, we can have resiliency to endure. Second Thessalonians chapter 1 says, so that we ourselves glory in you, in the churches of God, for your patience and faith and all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure. Number two. We talked about possessing the right character. Number two, we need to practice the right behavior. Practice the right behavior. How many of you have had some struggles trying to teach your children how to behave? I can't get all my legs up. You know, kids don't always behave the way you want them to. And by the way, Christian, God's kids... God's kids don't always behave the way He wants us to either. We need to practice that right behavior. By the way, that's how we get into the habit. is by practice. By practice. You know, tonight, fellows were playing. I can't remember who playing guitar. And I know Brother Mark. Brother Mark was playing guitar. You know, Brother Mark was playing guitar. He wasn't going... He didn't have to think about and look and, okay, where do I move my fingers for the G chord? Where do I move the, no, it's practice. He, he knows he can, he can go there. Why? He's done it over and over and over and over again. We need to practice right behavior. And after dealing with our character, who we are, by the way, you have to get that right first. If that's not right first, your behavior, you're not gonna, it's not going to fix the problem. Character has to be dealt with first, who you are first. But after we deal with who we are in Christ, God turns His attention attention to that behavior. And, And four behaviors, quickly. Number one, or letter A, if you're taking notes tonight, we should practice generosity. Generosity. Look at verse 13, the first part. Distributing to the necessity of the saints. Verse 13 here challenges us to see needs. To see needs. You know what we practice? We practice seeing wants. I want that. I want this. Today when we came home from church, we had had some lunch in the crock pot. Before I ate, I decided we needed to make something for lunch for supper tonight and so when we got home I started doing a dumpster dive I mean a refrigerator dive and I'm like what do I have throw some of this and some of this and I was tossing stuff together and as I was cooking it my wife tasted it and she said let's not take this to the church we'll give them what we had for lunch and we can keep this I like this now what I did, I gave. I love my wife. I said, "You take as big as bowl as you want. You keep it at home." I did bring it tonight, uh, but you know we see. Oh, I want that. Th- that's the way we're wired. I like that. I was driving tonight, driving to church. I'm not a car guy. I mean, I like cars. I drive a car, but I, I'm not a. Cars aren't really even on my radar. But I was sitting beside a vehicle, and I said, "I like that." He asked my wife, "That's a sharp looking car. I'd never seen one before." That. I really like that. I need one of those. You know, that, that's how our mind works so often. But when's the last time, Christian, that you saw a brother or sister's need and said, you know what, they have a need there. Maybe I can help them. That's the generosity that God has for us in verse 13. First John three seventeen. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him. We should practice a generosity. Number two, letter B, we should practice hospitality. Look at the second part of verse 13. Given to hospitality. The term hospitality involves entertaining strangers. How many of you know who Brother Veli is? My wife and I met Brother Veli the first time. 10, maybe 10 years ago, maybe 11. It's been a long time ago. Brother Veli called me, and he showed up at our house. And he's an odd duck. Would you agree, Brother Ahmad? He's an odd duck. He's the oddest duck that's ever lived. I love him, but if, and he's watching, and you're an odd duck, Veli, wherever you are. Uh, he's an unusual fella. We brought him in the house, and my wife is like, who is this guy? She didn't know how to take him. And it became a joke. Like Veli wouldn't call and say, hey, I'm stopping by. We'd be in bed six in the morning, some random day out here. There's Veli standing at the door. Come on in. We joke about it. You know, you say when your, your nose itches, an old wives tale is somebody, somebody's coming. You ever heard that before? Somebody's coming to the house? We, if we say that. My wife always says it's probably Veli. Uh, now, how do we how do we treat those who come into our lives out of schedule? We all need to work on that. This matter of entertaining, being hospitable. By the way, Veli, if you're if you're watching tonight. You need to come knock on my door tomorrow morning. I'd like to see him. He's in Finland right now. But we're to use hospitality, one another, without grudging, the Bible says. Number three, or letter C tonight. Not only should we practice hospitality, we should practice empathy. Look at verse 15. More of this is needed. In relationships, if you get nothing else tonight, look at verse 15. Underline it. Focus on this tonight. Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. A dictionary definition of empathy is the ability to understand and share the feelings of another. The behavior is outlined here in verse 15. We're instructed to rejoice with those that rejoice. But you know what we do? It's crazy. If Josh rejoices... I get mad, but why is he rejoicing? Why is he so happy? Man, it makes me feel bad he's so happy. God says we ought to rejoice when someone, when someone weeps. We're to weep with them. Let me help you with something in a relationship aspect, and this is not the message, but when someone is going through a, a, a deep trial, maybe the valley of the shadow of death, maybe they've lost a loved one, can I tell you the best thing you can do? How many times have you said, I just don't know what to do? How do I help this person? They, they've lost a loved one. What do I do? Just be there with them. Just go there. Just weep with them. Just be present. God wants us in our relationships. He wants us to learn to be empathetic. You know, sometimes we're not excited about something somebody else is excited about. That happens a lot in a relationship. But the better we can be empathetic to that person in the relationship, the better the relationship is going to be. Weep with them that weep. Rejoice with them that rejoice. You know, when we operate in the flesh, we tend to look at everything in life through the lens of, how does this affect me? You know, if someone's rejoicing... Is there something good in it for me? If not, I don't care about them. (laughs) I mean, if there's something good that's going to come to me, I want to rejoice with them. But we need to learn to have empathy in our relationships, to truly care about others. Empathy, by the way, is often the key to unlock a a husband's or husband or wife's understanding of the spouse. Unlocks a parent's understanding of their children in every relationship. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 8, finally. Be all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love us, brethren, be pitiful, be courteous. Letter D tonight, the fourth thing that we should do to practice the right behavior is we should practice humility. Humility. Verse 16 in our text, it says, Be of the same mind, one towards another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate." Be not wise in your own conceits. Instead of being impressed with yourself, instead of being impressed with your own intelligence or expertise, be wise not in your own conceits. We need to take the path to humility, that path of not thinking that we are more significant than someone else. When we lift ourselves up in a relationship and we look down at someone else, can I tell you there's, that relationship's destined for problems. It's not going to be a good relationship. We need to realize in our relationships, we need to practice humility in every relationship of life. You know, Jesus served as our example. By the way, He's the King of kings and Lord of lords, the King of glory. He's worthy of our worship, worthy of our praise. He's the one that the the elders will fall down and say, worthy, worthy is the Lamb. And yet the Bible tells us in Philippians 2, in verse number 7, the same one that's worthy, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant. And was made in the likeness of men. God. Eternal deity. Wrapped himself in flesh and humbled himself. He wrapped a towel around his waist and washed the feet of the disciples not long before he would go to the cross. Humility. You know, oftentimes God has to knock us down a few pegs. We get puffed up. We think we're something we're not. Embarrass Hannah tonight. Years ago, the girls had a bunk bed. And Hannah was not allowed to climb up the ladder of the bunk bed because she was just a little three, four years old. And she wasn't allowed to climb the ladder because we didn't want her to fall. Well, they were up on the bed. Rebecca and Elizabeth, were you in there at the time? And Hannah comes up the ladder and said something like, what'd she say? Yeah, hi guys, like you look at me. And then she fell. That's why she's brain damaged today. Uh, Look what I did. And you know what my loving wife and my loving daughters did? They laughed at her. Here, 15 years later, they're still laughing at her. Uh, she, oh, look at me! A lot of times, Christians, I, I feel like that. I feel like I'm looking at God, like, hey, God, look at me! How good! And I fall because the Lord is humbling us. We need to practice that humility. That Jesus gave us an example of Peter. God gave us an example in Peter, 1 Peter 5, verse 5. Likewise, ye younger. Submit yourselves to the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed to humility, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, but therefore under the mighty hand of God, the Bible says, that he may exalt you in due time. Let me give you a quick illustration, a few more points I want to give you yet tonight. Appetite. Hope you have an appetite. We're going to eat in a few minutes. But appetite says be sensuous. Enjoy yourself. Appetite says, man, I'm going to fill my plate up in a few minutes. Education says be resourceful. Expand yourself. By the way, if you get too much appetite, you also will expand yourself. Uh, Materialism. Materialism says be satisfied. Please yourself. If it feels good do it. That's materialism. Psychology says be confident. Fulfill yourself. Speak your truth. What a stupid phrase. I can speak truth but there's only one. Psychology tells us be confident. Fulfill yourself. Pride says be superior. Promote yourself. Humanism, by the way, that's the religion of our world. I've had people ask me when I go to the States, uh, Brother Rice, what's the the major religion in Edmonton? Every time I say humanism. Oh, no, no, Pastor, that's not the major religion. Oh, yes, it is. Oh, because they don't build buildings that say this is the humanist center. But in reality, humanism is the major religion of our culture and our society. Humanism says Be capable believe in yourself humanism says you can do anything you want to do Oh, well, pastor that sounds good yeah because you've been repeated that your whole life the bible says I can do all things through Christ humanism says you can do all things you it's about you but God says and by the way God's the only one that matters God says, be wise, humble. And if we witness firsthand the damage of pride in a relationship, only by pride cometh what? Contention. Contention. Number three, we talked about practicing the right behaviors, and the last thing we see here in this text, number three, providing the right response. Providing the right response. We see this in verse 14 and verses 17 through verse 21. It's been said that success in our life has 10% to do with what happens to us and 90% to do with how we respond to what happens to us. By the way, that would include success in your relationships. How do we Respond correctly in the relationships of life You know As as sure as tomorrow morning The sun's going to rise As sure as Pastor Rice is going to drink espresso As sure as Yeti is going to slobber on me As I walk out the door As sure as everything is going to happen You're used to in your life The people that you love and the people that love you will disappoint you. That's that's just truth. The people you love the most will disappoint you. And by the way, you'll disappoint them. That's that's just going to happen. Someone's going to fail you. So oh, yeah, pastor, they've people have failed me before, and it'll happen again. That that's guaranteed. How do I deal with it what do I do with that how do I take that failure or that hurt what do I do with it just a couple of thoughts quickly number one or letter A, we should provide vulnerability now, I know this is counterintuitive I know this doesn't make sense as far as world philosophy but I want you to look with me in a couple of verses look at verse 14 Bless them which persecute you. 17. Recompense no man evil for evil. Verse 19. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. Verse 20. Therefore, if that enemy hunger, feed him. What we find in these verses often repeated is instruction found in the passage to forgive. To release the offender from vengeance. Forgiveness and restoration places us in a vulnerable position. I had a chat yesterday with someone talking about this matter of forgiveness and vulnerability. And it does make us vulnerable in forgiveness. But that's the plan of God. That's God's purpose for us in every relationship. Our human instinct is self-preservation. <laughs> I remember Brother Mod just walked out, but his son-in-law... Years ago I was with Brother Veli, I mentioned. We're out late one night. We had an issue, a broken down machine, and trying to get back. And we were using a winch cable. And if you've ever been around a winch, you don't want to be standing near the winch cable. If it breaks, it could cause serious harm. And Brother Ahmad's son-in-law was standing uh, by the cable, and Brother Veli looked at me and he said, That guy doesn't even care about his own life. Uh, he, he doesn't know enough to get out of the way. He could die. But, you know, our instinct is we do care about our life. We, we don't like to hurt. We, we, you know, if you accidentally lay your hand on a wood-burning stove, I did that as a little boy. Do you know you don't leave your hand there? Well, that really hurts. Ow. No. Ah! Self-preservation. How many of you have a fear of heights? I didn't used to have any fear of heights at all. As I've gotten older, God has given me a bit of a fear of heights. And here's how it works. If I get on the walk up to the edge of a cliff and I look over, even if I do it virtually, looking on a screen and I see a... You get that weird feeling. You know what I'm talking about. That, that sick feeling right here in the bottom of your stomach. You know what that is? I learned this last year. That is literally your body trying to protect you. That is God, God, God given protection in your body, going, get away from there, you dummy. <laughs> it's that fear of heights is God saying, Hey, get away. Go back to safety. And because we want to be safe, we want to protect ourselves, we don't want to make ourselves vulnerable. But God says in your relationship, The right response, be vulnerable. Forgive. Don't don't recompense evil for evil. We want to get even. Let me give you a quote. The Christian must not play God, try to avenge himself. Returning evil for evil or good for good is the way most people live. But the Christian must live on a higher level and return good for evil. Of course, this requires love because our first inclination is to fight back. Mr. Wearsby says it also requires faith, believing that God can work and accomplish His will in our lives and the lives of those who hurt us. These words are easy to read but difficult to practice. Will they take advantage of us? Yes, sometimes they will. Will they hate us more? Yep, sometimes. Only the Lord knows. But our task is not to protect ourselves, but to obey the Lord and to leave the results with Him. It's not easy being vulnerable. But God wants us to provide vulnerability in our relationships. Here's what Jesus said. In the book of Matthew, Jesus said, but I say unto you, this is Jesus, I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have you? Do not even the publicans the same. And if you salute your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the publicans so. Number one, provide vulnerability. When you face difficulty, hatred, be vulnerable. That goes against our nature, our flesh nature. But that's God's response for us. Number two, provide honesty. Honesty. Verse 17, the last half of the verse. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. refers to our response being an honest representation of who we really are. We're the children of God. If we get angry, if we get vengeful, hateful or nasty in response to opposition we're not honestly representing our heavenly father who are you we talked about it this morning you're made in the image of God his signature his handprint his thumbprint is on you you're his work why would we act like the devil why would we act like what we're not that doesn't make any sense we're to be honest. First Peter two twelve, having your conversation honest. Among who? Among the Gentiles. Among the lost world. That whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works which they shall behold, glorify God in the devastation. Number three, or letter C. What's the right response? Number three, we should provide civility. Talking about relationships here. We dealt with who we are, our character. We dealt with some habits of how we ought to live, but here we're talking about how do we deal with, how do we roll with the punches that come, the problems, the difficulties. Be civil. Be civil. Provide civility. Verse 18, the Bible says, if it be possible. As much as lieth in you, live peaceful with all men. The Bible says as much as you can. To the extent of your power. Do everything you can to be peaceable. Try to be civil. Our dictionary defines civility as politeness. Courtesy and behavior and speech. When you treat someone with civility. You are showing, I'm going the extra mile to prevent frustration, to avoid conflict, to keep peace. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. We need to provide civility. When conflict rages, he started it. That's what we want to do. Be civil. 1 Peter 3.11, let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and assure it. You know, we, we respond to anger with anger, name-calling with name-calling. But God says don't do that. i got to hurry. I want to give you a couple more points. Number four, we need to provide serenity. Serenity in verse 21. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with evil. With good. Serenity, dictionary definition is the state of being calm, peaceful, untroubled. Don't let someone else's behavior rattle your cage. Don't let someone else get you off, get you out of sorts. Allow God to produce the fruit of the Spirit in your life. That calm, that serenity. Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. That's what God does in us. Say, so, Pastor, have you have you mastered that? I well, sure haven't. I sure wish I could. We all need to have that serenity. Resist the temptation. Here's what we want to do. If somebody does wrong, I want to call it Brother Jarese. You know what that idiot did? By the way, an idiot is anybody who does something that we would do, but they do it to us. That's uh, when you're driving down the road, the person that cut you off, the idiot. Now, when we cut someone else, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to do that. Uh, we use that word. We bounce back and forth. I would tell the story, but I'm not going to tell it. Uh, we, so often, so often, we want to talk to somebody else about other people. And what do we do? We get the flames bigger and we make it worse. When rather we need serenity. We need calm. When my girls were little and they would hurt themselves. How many of you know kids hurt themselves Sometimes. Now, if my wife was there, oh, she might be upset. You ask my girls, they'll tell you. I'd be like, oh, you're okay. I mean, they could, they could cut their arm completely off. It could be laying over there. And Brother Mata, you're fine. It's going to be okay. You're all right. My wife's losing her mind. I mean, it's all good. Because I know if I can get them to be calm and bring some serenity, Maybe we can sew their arm on tomorrow. Uh, get it back together. We need to bring that serenity to the table when it comes to our relationships. Uh, we need to resist the temptation to fan the flames. Uh, one last passage I want to read and we'll close. 1 Peter chapter 2, if you want to turn there with me. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 19 through 23. We need to do what Jesus did. We need to commit ourselves to the situation of the hands of the Heavenly Father. Verse 19 of 1 Peter 2 says, For this is thankworthy. If a man for conscience towards God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. For what glory is it if when he be buffeted for your faults, ye should take it patiently? But if when ye do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently? This is acceptable with God. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps, who did no sin. Neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, how did Jesus respond? No. That's how we want to respond. When he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Again, I ask the question, how's your relationships? Can I tell you if we're honest with ourselves and honest with God, we'd have to say, they're not perfect. By the way, if you think your relationships are perfect, most likely you have your eyes closed. They're not perfect. Every relationship you have in life could be better. By the way, our relationship with God could be better. We need to learn how to be who we should be. We need to learn how to do and practice the behavior God wants us to have. And we need to learn how to deal with what comes. Quick illustration, I'll close with this thought. I mentioned this morning, joining the wrestling team in grade 7, I had my first match. I believe it was in Cross Lanes. Cross Lanes, I think, West Virginia. It was the Andrew Jackson Gymnasium. I remember that. I remember what all the lights looked like in that gymnasium, Carl. I saw all of them while I laid on my back. I went into my first match. I was 12 years old. I'm there in my cute little jumpsuit, Brother Maud. You should have seen me. I mean, a little. little little onesie. I look like Popeye. And there I am. I've got, I have my Chuck Taylors. That was my wrestling shoes. I had turquoise blue high-top Chuck Taylors. I was cool. And there I am. And the match starts. And within about 1.3 seconds, I was on my back. All the wind was knocked out of me. I laid there looking up at those lights in the Andrew Jackson gymnasium. I couldn't breathe. And out of my peripheral vision, I watched the referee. The match was over. I got up. I still couldn't breathe. I staggered over to the edge of the mat. Coach put his arm around me. And he said, Brian, welcome to the Cowboys. And the cowboy's a move where basically you step over and throw your opponent. And you throw him and then you land on him and pin him. And if you throw him right, you knock the wind out of him. And so you know what I did on Monday at wrestling practice? After wrestling practice, I stayed after and, re- and practiced with the high school kids. And I said to this boy, high school kid that I liked him, man, show me how to avoid how to conquer the cowboy? Because that is never, ever going to happen to me again, never. You know what I did that week? I drilled over and over and oh. over and over. Man, I, a high school kid could not get me in the cowboy. Was not going to happen. I learned every way to conquer the cowboy. I went to my next match. There, my cool little onesie, my turquoise blue uh, Chuck Taylor high tops, uh, and I'm ready. And I'm like, yeah, whenever he tries, this guy tries to put me in the cowboy, I know what to do. I don't remember what move it was, but it was a different move, Brother (laughs) Mudd. It wasn't quite as quick, but before the match was over, I'm examining the lights in another (laughs) gymnasium. In my peripheral vision again, I see the referee's hand. (laughs) I spent that whole year learning how to conquer the things that knocked me down but I learned it a bit late. A lot of you feel a lot like I did as a grade seven student wrestling. You feel like everything's knocking you down. But I praise God tonight. We can follow this book. And if we obey him, we can have the kind of relationships. Does that mean all your relationships are going to be perfect? No, because there's no perfect people. But you're for your side. You can be the kind of person and strive together in a relationship as God wants you to. The solution to the relationship problem lies with us. And may we strive together in the right relationships. Let's pray together, Lord. Thank you for the opportunity to learn and grow together. And Lord, tonight I pray that we would all be vulnerable with you. Lord, as we think about our relationships, Lord, I imagine, Lord, that you are working in every heart the way you're working in mine tonight. Lord, that we realize we've got some struggles, we've got some issues. There's some things about our character that need to change. Some things about the way we're behaving that need to change. Lord, some things about the way we respond that need to change. God, would you help us tonight as we... Pause for a moment of invitation. Lord, as we look at how we can respond to your word and what we can do, Lord, to have the kind of relationships you want us to have. Lord, I pray you'd bless us now, Lord, in this just moment of pause, this time of introspection, Lord, this opportunity for decision. Lord, I pray you'd work in our hearts. May your will be done. In your precious name we pray. Stand and sing 485. Have thine own way, Lord. Number 485. <laughs> together and uh, let's pray for our meal as well as soon as the ladies are prepared for us we'll uh, open up the line but let's go ahead and pray for the food as well let's pray to close Lord thank you Lord for your goodness to us Lord how wonderful we can have a relationship with you Lord we didn't have time to think about it much tonight but Lord what a wonder that we can have that kind of relationship Lord how wonderful that when we have that foundation of a relationship with you we can have relations with others relationships with others Lord, help us to follow your pattern. May we strive together in our relationships. May we work and labor together. Lord, bless us now as we're dismissed. Lord, I pray you bless the food and time of fellowship. God, may you be glorified in all that's said and done. In your precious name we pray. Amen.